What's up, Literacy Advocates? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and I'm so excited. My guest today is Brian Floriani. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Timmy, and thanks for what so, you do. Oh, appreciate it. Um, I Actually, I have been away from this podcast for a little while, so um, this episode is, is coming in. After, I've been doing a lot of my other show, Purpose Driven Entrepreneur, which, to be honest, talking to you is going to feel pretty similar to doing a Purpose Driven Entrepreneur episode because you are a Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. You have two companies. I'd love for your, just for context for you to give our listeners some context on what your two companies are. Yeah, so the, the first, um, I like that you call it a company. Um, we, we operate like a business and think like a brand. So um, the only difference between our company and a for-profit is tax status. But the first one was Bernie's Book Bank. And it's a, it's a children's book bank model that we began 11 years ago here in Chicagoland. And um, if you think about a food bank for children's books, that's what Bernie's Book Bank is. We serve over 300,000 children here in Chicagoland that otherwise wouldn't own books. Um, we give them 12 books a year from birth through sixth grade. We've really, you know, we focus on excellence in terms of uh, whether it's how we do what we do um, or what we distribute. So, you know, we just because a book is free doesn't mean it's great for a child that needs it. So we want to make yeah. sure that those books are high quality and the content is what they want to be reading. Um, so we we serve 300,000 children. We work out of a 45,000 square foot facility. Um, we have 50,000 visitors to the facility every year, do about 6,000 volunteer hours a month. And one thing we're really proud of that we kind of undersell or underpromote is the fact that we, that more than half of those hours, those 6,000 hours a month are um, um, given by people under the age of 14. So mm -hmm. we take, we take all ages and abilities at the book bank, which is very rare for a nonprofit to take take volunteers of all ages and abilities, especially children under the age of five. But we really believe it's a great opportunity for the book bank. And it's a great opportunity for those children and those families to start to teach service from a very young age um, and build perspective for young people. I think that that's really important um, for young people to have perspective. Um, so that's Bernie's Book Bank. And we are um, actively pursuing replication in other major cities in the country, which has always been our goal. So that's that. That's a nonprofit. Uh, Freedom, spelled F-R-E-A-D-O-M, um, is a lifestyle brand. It's a for-profit, but we have committed to giving away 100% of our net profits back to literacy organizations, uh, just like Bernie's Book Bank. Um, and the impetus for Freedom is, you know, after, you know, we started the Book Bank on my credit card for five grand. Uh, 11 years ago, we now have a $4 million budget. And so relatively speaking, in the nonprofit sector, we the, Ber the Bernie's Book Bank has been very successful at raising money. But the bar is pretty low, to be honest with you, um, relative to what the actual need is to fulfill our mission. And mm. even though we've been successful, what I've realized are is, you know, philanthropy is very fickle. I mean, think about it. You're running a business where your productivity is not directly related to your revenue. That's a really hard way to run a business. Um, and the philanthropic landscape just doesn't look that great. Um, philanthropic giving has been, well, philanthropic giving has been 2% of the GDP forever. It's probably never going to change. Mm -hmm. There's more great work being done, but that means there's more hands in the pot and the pot's not growing. It's actually shrinking. There's less people giving than there ever has been. Um, and the concentration of wealth in America, um, has an impact on philanthropic giving too, 
it means that less people have more influence and control philanthropic dollars um, than, than it would have been 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Um, so even though we've been successful, it's not, it's not enough. Um, it's not um, predictable it's enough. It's not fast enough. And it's just not about funding the book bank. It's about funding, funding literacy initiatives all over the country that are bold and that have proven to work. I really believe all the vehicles already exist to make literacy what it should be in America. What, what's lacking is the fuel to help them go the distance. And literacy is just too important of a, of a skill um, for us to not be investing in it at, at the highest level. Um, yeah. And it's not just an emotional discussion, Timmy. It's a practical yeah. one. If, if all children aren't reading ready and reading proficient, it automatic, it auto, it ultimately comes back to impact all of us and our children and our children's children. And so um, it's something that we need to make a priority. And, and in fact, at Freedom, you know, as part of our declaration, we say that uh, literacy needs to be a key performance indicator in America when we are assessing success, um, you know, right up there with the GDP. And if you want the GDP to grow, grow literacy. So um, it's that simple yeah. to me. Yeah. I, I you, you... I'm so excited to talk to you because I've talked to you before, Brian, and like you just you have these like quick one liners that you just have always at the ready. I'm like that right there is so good. Yeah. The idea that literacy needs to be a KPI right up there with uh, GDP is I well, I have a, agree. I have an illness, Timmy, and the and the illness is. I all all I think about for the most part, besides my children and my beautiful girlfriend is literacy. Um, and so it's, it's kind of like, uh, I've got a fever and the only, the, the only remedy is more literacy. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that, that's probably why I can speak about it so, so easily. Um, cause I do it all day long. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to me to hear you talk about, um, philanthropy as a, you know, almost like, uh, the, it's a market share, like you're trying to go after a percent of a shrinking market, which is philanthropy. I've never thought about philanthropy in those terms when I, and, and I mean, I don't run a nonprofit, so I'm sure this is probably normal for folks who run nonprofits, but the idea that you're not, it's not so much that you're going after new, new giving that would not already happen. It's more like you're going after a share of the market of philanthropy, which is shrinking. Well, if you think about it, I, I not only compete with Harvard's, um, how do I say this nicely? Very uh, healthy, say it, however, very healthy endowment, but I compete with McDonald's and I compete with Starbucks because we all have dollars in our hand. We all have buying power in our hand and we make decisions and choices about what, what we do with it. Right. So um, but the beauty of like freedom in a lifestyle brand or a purpose-driven um, company is that we can actually turn consumerism into activism so that if you're creating things that are cool and people want to use and they're going to use it anyway, um, you don't have to convince them to be charitable. You know, it won't surprise you that you spend more on yourself. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about me, but it, it, I yeah. think it's the case with anybody. We yep. spend more on ourselves than we do on other people. But what if there was a way for me to spend it on myself and inherent in that purchase was a gift um, to support literacy or any other um, 
social issue. And that's yeah. really, and, and I believe that, you know, 62% of purchases made today are made with purpose in mind. Who is it? Who's it? Who made it? Um, how is it made? Who does it benefit? And I believe that that number is only going to increase. Um, and so consume our consumerism is really becoming our activism today, especially in America. Yeah. Agreed. So I'm curious, Brian, what was the thing or the stat or the story that has gotten you so passionate about literacy that it's your all-consuming focus? Yeah, well, one, it was personal experience in a, in a school serving underserved children. Um, that was a transformational time for me. Um, it stirred a lot of emotion in me, anger, shame, um, confusion, sadness, just to, around the fact that here we are in America, we talked about a pursuit of happiness, we're built on that concept, we're built on equity, on the concept of equity, we're built on the concept of equality, and here I was with these children who were six years old, and their educational journey was almost over before it started, and they had nothing to do with it, right, so it was that experience, and then it was, you know, the experience of my father, who the book bank is named after, who grew up in a home without running water until he went to college. And, but what I realized is that he read his way to a better life. And so these children that I was meeting and just in awe by, because they were so hopeful, even though they were, they were living life with one, one arm tied behind their back. Um, I realized that they were little Bernie's and they just needed a fair shot. Like my father got, but then as I got into it and I started looking at statistics, um, you know, specific to books, the fact that, uh, um, in middle-income neighborhoods, there's 13 books for every one child. And in low-income neighborhoods, there's 300 children for every one book. Um, you know, that's a big deal. The fact that 32 million Americans can't read. I mean, we shouldn't be able to sleep at night. That does shock me. And we're obviously, we're not. So is that adults or what? what is that? Yeah. So it's 32 million adult Americans. Yep. Cannot read. Yeah. Now, some of that, you know, means um, they're, they're not functionally literate, right? Uh -huh. So it means they might be able to read some words, but they can't operate as a productive member of society because of their lack of ability to look at words, have them come in, comprehend them, and then leverage them for other uses. You know, that's, that's a big deal. You know, that's about 10% of our population. Um, yeah. And that, that's unacceptable to me. Um, so what's the correlation uh, between that and things like homelessness, uh, crime, uh, mm -hmm. incarceration, that kind of stuff? So I won't say this scientifically or statistically, but anecdotally, and I, and anybody I've ever talked to about this has never disagreed. I've never had anybody disagree with me on this. Um, homelessness and poverty, those issues they are, they are symptoms of something else, right? And what they're symptoms of are a lack of hope, a lack of opportunity, a lack of the ability to educate yourself. Um, and if you go to the root cause of all those things, you will find literacy as the key component to all that in 99% of the people you were to talk to who are in that situation. So it's, it, it became very clear to me, if you want to have an influence over all those things, Influence literacy. By the way, you can't have social justice without educational equity. 
And we have the complete opposite in our country. Where education is needed the most, we spend the less. And where education is needed the least, we spend the most. Um, I'll give you an example, just right here where I live in Lake Forest, Illinois, um, we spend $23,000 a year per student in high school. North Chicago is a, it, it literally is the adjacent town north of Lake Forest. Um, very challenged. Um, in fact, the state has taken over the educational system there, um, taking that back. Um, they spend $10,000 a year per student. Now, so that's just in four years, one student, there's a $52,000 a year difference, right? And that doesn't even count pre-K through eighth grade. So what we're saying, and in fact, we're not saying it, the way we're acting, we're proving that those children in Lake Forest are $52,000 more valuable than the children in North Chicago. And I don't believe that. And I don't buy into it. I don't agree with it. Um, and you know, what's interesting is when I talk about that to some folks, they say, well, Brian, it's not all about money. Well, if it wasn't all about money, why are you spending $23,000 a year per student in your school district? Um, obviously, money has something to do with it, right? And so it, that's part of a broader conversation but literacy is a part of that conversation. It, it, it should always be. Um, but I, I just don't believe we can have social justice without educational equity. And to me, that's a low hanging fruit that can be solved. Um, there's a lot of things that can't be solved, but that can be. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious. So my company, it's called Dinosaur House. We produce kids books. Um, so I, I, I have a, I started a book, a kids book production company. Yep. What what are what should I be thinking about, and how should I be thinking about my contribution to the to solving the problem or working to help those who are trying to solve the problem? So, like, what can a book producer do to help curb the literacy problem? I think many things. Um, you know, one of the things that Bernie's Book Bank is trying to do within the publishing world is to encourage publishers to 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 produce more books that act as mirrors and windows for the children we serve so that the population that we're serving can see themselves in those books and they can see others through those books. Now, the big challenge, and look, I love the publishing world because they actually care about their product. They are passionate about literacy and not just it's not just a bottom line business for a lot of these publishers, but it's still a, it's still a business. And the challenge is they produce books because they need to sell it into the marketplace. And Bernie's Book Bank becomes a beneficiary of that, of that content being produced right into the marketplace. But if they don't have a big marketplace for books um, that um, are diverse, are written by diverse authors and illustrators, if they're not gonna be able to sell those books, they're not gonna produce them. So what we're trying to do is to encourage them, hey, look, if we co-invest, if we work together to grow um, a reading population for the future, and we can make, if we can increase that number by 5%, meaning non-book buying families today, if 20, 20 years from now, those children are now adults and in a book buying family, if we could increase that marketplace by 5%, that's a really big number. So, so that's number one, producing books that are representative of the children that we want reading them because they have to enjoy it. 
They have to like it. They have to see themselves in these books. The other thing is, is to write about topics that um, promote empathy, promote um, being open-minded, promote service, um, all of those things, because the children that you produce them for, we are, when, when a child reads a book, they are slowly becoming an adult. And so I, I think the greatest way, one of the greatest ways to influence young people to, to build them into really great adults are through children's books. Um, it's where we learn some of the most important concepts um, that we use later on in life. Um, you know, it's like grit, like this hat I'm wearing, choose grit. You know, grit's a muscle, needs to be talked about, needs to be exercised. Um, and uh, it's just things like that where it, it's promoting a mindset of we can do this. Yes, this is hard, but it's your choice. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, uh, Brian, this has been a really interesting interview. Um, so the listeners of this show, they're all teachers. What's something that you would want to give as an encouragement or, um, something that you would say to the teachers that are listening? Yeah, well, thanks for the opportunity. One, I and freedom and Bernie's book bank, um, we honor teachers and we're so grateful for teachers and at freedom, um, one of the things that we started last year and we just kicked off another campaign this year is what we call call the Elevate an Educator campaign, which is a campaign where people can go onto our website and nominate a teacher and provide a really good short story about why that teacher was so important to them. And it, in, an effort, in an effort to uplift our teachers and to tell them thank you, especially in the times that we're in right now. Um, and then through that campaign, um, Every, nom every nominator, it receives a free sticker pack from Freedom. Every nominee received a, receives a gift card from, from Freedom. And then um, in the beginning of next year, there'll be two um, educators selected from each region, five regions, and kind of in parallel with March Madness and, and the, the NCAA basketball tournament, we're going to have a little bit of a competition amongst those and have, have those two educators compete, quote unquote, against each other, they, uh, you know, through social media, they will be selected. And then out of those five, we will identify what we call the MVE, which is the most valuable educator for, for the year um, from freedom, which we're going to hook them up with a bunch of great stuff from freedom. So, okay. Um, weird. So what do, uh, what do you type in to go to that? Oh, uh, if you just go to um, freedomusa.com. So F R E A D O M USA.com. Um, it's on the, on the front page. Um, it's a big deal to us. Um, educators are so important to this country. They get a bad rap. We need to be on We need to honoring them. We need to honor them. Um, and they really, they really need to be the celebrities that we, that we celebrate and that we, um, look up to. Um, in, in fact, in that, in that vein, Timmy, um, my hope is, is that freedom can make literacy cool. And so that one day, just like you see LeBron James t-shirts, you'd see Jason Reynolds t-shirts and you'd see Kwame Brown t-shirts and you'd say Jarrett Lerner t-shirts. Those are the people that I dig 
and that I, um, that I look up to and that I think that are some of the greatest influences in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, this has been great. Thank you so much for being on my show. Uh, uh, what, how should listeners connect with you? They can connect to, uh, through, to freedom through our website, freedomusa.com, F-R-E-A-D-O-M, um, I'm sorry, F-A-R-E-A-D-O-M-U-S-A.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook. Um, they can find us there. And I would just say, you know, as the holidays uh, approach, believe it or not, I know it's hard to talk about that right now, but consider a gift that gives twice. A gift for someone that's going to make them happy, but a gift that gives 100% of its net profits back to literacy, which is a gift that never stops giving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Brian, thanks for being on. Hey, Timmy, thanks for what you do. And thanks for having us on. Appreciate it.